We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate it. I love doing these draft breakdowns. I hope you guys are enjoying them as well. We're going to be going over Darnell Wright, who interestingly enough, just visited the Green Bay Packers, which used to be not so much of a big deal. In fact, before it almost seemed like Green Bay used them as subterfuge, if you will, like they were basically doing these visits. It almost seemed like to make teams think that they were interested in these players, and then they would go in an entirely different direction. Uh, But more often lately, they have been actually using these visits for players that they have ultimately brought into Green Bay and even selected early in the draft. So we can no longer look at these early visits and say they don't mean anything because they absolutely have. And Darnell Wright, again, more recently in Green Bay for a pre-draft visit, which uh, could mean something, could mean nothing. More often than not, it just means that they want to double check something. Maybe it's a medical, maybe it's a whatever. Um, But it is interesting nonetheless that he did spend some time in Green Bay recently. So let's get to his full breakdown. This is one of my favorite players in this year's draft, and we'll get into all the reasons why in just a moment, but let's start with the basics as we always do. He is a 6'5", 333-pound offensive tackle from the University of Tennessee. He is a senior, a true senior. He is 21 years old, a true senior, but 21 years old. More on that in a second. He will turn 22 in August. So still very, very young, a lot of room for growth, a lot of room for upside. Um, and you would think that he would continue to develop both you know, functional strength as well as with his technique as he gets to the NFL level and starts working with an NFL offensive line coach, et cetera. 
9.67 RAS RAS relative athletic score, 96th percentile overall athlete. He did not do the bench press. He did not do the three cone. So it's not a full complete relative athletic score, but the stuff that he did test in, he tested phenomenally at. And he had a 50, 50th percentile height, a 92nd percentile weight, 70th percentile vert, 97th percentile broad jump, 93rd percent 40 yard dash with a 5.01 40 yard dash, 90th percentile in the 10 yard split, which is more important for offensive linemen, and 63rd percentile in the short shuttle. Now, all of that sounds really good, except I want to point out, not except, but I also want to point out that he is doing that broad jump, the 40 yard dash, the short shuttle at 300 and 33 pounds. This is not your nimble 305, 310 pound offensive tackle who's just sprinting through these drills. This is a 333 pound man that is doing a 5.0140 that is testing in the 97th percentile in the broad jump for offensive tackles. He was an absolute beast at the combine and it showed and it certainly helped his draft stock as well. Now, as far as his statistics, statistics aren't really super fun for offensive linemen, but per PFF, in 2019, he played 360 total snaps, had 181 pass block snaps with 11 pressures and five penalties. So 11 pressures allowed five penalties. In 2020, he had 569 total snaps, 309 of those were in pass protection, gave up 19 pressures with four penalties. In 2021, 922 snaps, 495 pass block snaps, 17 pressures allowed, 10 penalties. So uh, certainly the 17 pressures, 10 penalties, that is not what you want to see. But in 2022, he comes back, 895 snaps, 507 of those were in pass protection, only eight pressures, zero sacks, and three penalties. And again, this is not just some small school offensive tackle. This is an SEC offensive tackle going against some of the best of the best. Here's what else I want to point out here. We talk about him being young. We talk about him being a true senior. In 2019, at the University of Tennessee, in the SEC, he played 360 snaps along the offensive line at age 18. Think about that for a second. And even this past year, I mean, still only 21 years of age as he was going up in his senior year. And the crazy thing here is that though he's still only 21 years of age right now, 2,746 offensive snaps in the SEC at primarily left tackle and right tackle. That is a lot of snaps, a lot of experience at a very young age. And for the most part, he handled it pretty darn well. Now, the other thing that I'll point out here is that he continued to get better year over year over year, as you would expect him to at that age. But in 2019, PFF gave him a grade of 39 overall. So rough, but again, he was 18 years old, 18 years old. In 2020, uh, he had a 53.5 overall grade. In 2021, it was a 62.7. And in 2022, it was a 71.4, his best season. I mentioned only the eight pressures, the three penalties, zero sacks allowed. He had an 80.2 pass blocking grade, a 65.0 run blocking grade, both the best of his time at, uh, at Tennessee. Uh, again, was in his senior year this past year. And again, he continued to get better year over year over year. All right, let's jump into the full scouting report. My positives, my negatives, specifically on Darnell Wright. Let's start with the positives. 333 pounds with ideal size and really strong athleticism. As I mentioned, 
This is not just your, you know, smaller, agile offensive lineman that's running through some of the testing. This is a 33, 333-pound pass blocking, run blocking, physical specimen that was going through that. And that strength, that athleticism, that overall size, the power at 333, all of that showed up on tape in a variety of different ways. Wasn't always super consistent, but it certainly showed up, especially this past year in his senior season. And the other thing I will note there, and we saw it in the short shuttle, we saw it in the 10-yard split, we saw it in the 40, we saw it in the vert. Like Overall, his footwork and his explosiveness off the line of scrimmage is extremely good for his size. I would not say that he has phenomenal footwork. I would not. I, his footwork ultimately needs some work and it needs to continue to get more consistent. I wouldn't say he has amazing, like it's not upper echelon footwork by any means. In fact, you could probably put it closer to the negative category. However, his footwork for 333 pounds to me is very impressive. And I do think it's going to be something that continues to improve. And we saw via his testing that the agility is there that the quickness is there, that the explosiveness is there, that all of it is there for him to be, you know, be a high-end athlete with quick footwork at the position. It's just something that he needs to continue to work on. As I mentioned, he got better year over year, and the easy expectation watching him is that his best football is still ahead of him. We saw his absolute best football in his senior season, and he is a you know a projectile, a projectile, I guess if you will, like he's a, a projection candidate. That's probably a better way to put it. You're not throwing a 333 pound offensive tackle. He's a projection at offensive tackle, and what I mean by that is we saw some good tape at Tennessee. There's no question about it. And we'll talk about in a second his game against Alabama. But the idea here is that this is a player whose best football is by far and away still ahead of him. And he has so much room for growth. He has, again, the high-end upside, the high-end athleticism. And with playing 2,000-plus snaps in the SEC, playing as young as 18 years old, the idea here is that he is, is, again, his best football is still in front of him, and he is going to end up being a much better NFL player than he even was in college at Tennessee. His best opportunity for success is in a phone booth. And what I mean by that is you can beat him a little bit with speed. You can beat him a little bit with quickness. You can you know cut inside, change direction, those sort of things. But once he gets his hands on you and you are fighting, hand fighting with him, or, you know, once he really gets aggressive with you, it's over. It's done with. And he has extremely strong hands. He plays with power. He has a strong upper body. And as mentioned, if you're going to get into hand-to-hand combat with him, or you got now matched up with him and you didn't get around him with speed or quickness, good night, nurse. It's over. It's done with. He is going to beat you. He's going to out-physical with you. And if you ticked him off and you peed in his Cheerios, he's going to throw you to the ground because he can finish you as well. Again, he's not always consistent as a finisher, but there'll be times where he's just kind of, all right, I'll, I'll let you go this round. But there's times too where if he's not, you know, if he's if he gets a little bit after it, he'll again, he'll throw you to the ground. He'll, he'll show some finishing prowess and power uh, to his game as well. And when he does use his hands well, it again, his hands are inconsistent. But when he gets them on you and when he uses a strong punch and when he just like decides like, hey, it's game over, it's game over. And it didn't matter. Even the, the Will Andersons of the world didn't have a chance when it was in a phone booth playing hand-to-hand combat and getting physical with him. So this is somebody who has the ability to out-physical you at the point of attack. And these are the type of players, the type of offensive tackles that, in my opinion, 
have done very, very well in the NFL making that transition. I think sometimes some of those quicker uh, offensive tackles do a little bit better in college. And then we see them come to the NFL and have a little bit tougher time transitioning because the power at the NFL level is so much better. There's so much more strength. There's so much more bull rush ability. You need a little bit of physicality. You need a little bit of power. And these offensive tackles that have that, I, I think are succeeding at a higher level and give you an opportunity to hold up at the point of attack. Speaking of which, his anchor is really, really good at 333 pounds. You would expect it to. Again, imagine your Kingsley and Igbaris of the world. If you're going to try to go up and bull rush Darnell right at 333, it's just not going to happen. He's just going to maul you all day. And that's not going to be a opportunity for success. So if you, you know, again, if he gets his hands on you or if you try to bull rush him, he's just going to sit down anchor and it's it's game over. He's going to win. And it, it is a huge aspect of his game that if you, again, you try to go through him, you're not going to go through him. And that's what that little extra weight and um, power is going to do for you at the point of attack. I talked about his play against Alabama and Will Anderson. Nobody stopped Will Anderson all year, pretty much except Darnell Wright. You know, Anderson got him a couple times in the run game, but overall, Darnell Wright shut him down. And that did not happen against Will Anderson, or when Will Anderson was against anyone else, basically. And Darnell Wright had by far and away the best showing. And that's like the best you can ask for, is when you go against the best that college football has to offer, the best edge rusher, the best pass rusher, and you can hold up and you can show, hey, I got this. That's as impressive as it can get. And we can talk about all of the... We can talk about all the projections and what they do well and what they don't do well. When you get a matchup like that, how do you perform? That's why the senior bowl is important is, is, you know, so you can see some of these guys play best against best and see who really fits the part. Uh, but you know, sometimes when you're, we're talking about some of these smaller schools or you know, players who didn't have the opportunity to go against the Will Andersons of the world, you're projecting because you don't know once they get to the NFL, all right, now they're going to go against the best of the best. How are they going to hold up? With Darnell Wright, we saw it against Will Anderson. Best edge rusher might be the first defensive player off the board, and he won that matchup all day, which was extremely impressive and should give you know GMs a huge boost of confidence when taking him early in the draft. I think probably top 20 in round one at, at minimum, at, at latest. If he goes past 20, I would be very, very surprised. Now, he has versatility. I uh, can play left tackle or right tackle, played both of those spots over the past two seasons. There is some talk that he could potentially move inside to guard to me, that would be like a last case scenario where he didn't work out at tackle and now let's just try something else. But I do think it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that he could move inside, probably play at right guard. But to me, he is a right tackle all day, every day. That's where I would focus him. But he does have some potential versatility, certainly at left tackle and maybe even at right guard, maybe even at left guard as well. So there is some versatility there, which we know Green Bay loves and they love to be able to move players around, best five guys on the offensive line, et cetera. He very much passes the eye test. I'm going to go over this more in just a moment. If, if you've noticed any of these breakdowns so far, I have not mentioned any other scouting reports or like who has them ranked where. What I'll say here, and he, like I said, when he, when he passes the eye test, it is so funny. Go search Darnell Wright on Twitter. Just do a search for Darnell Wright on Twitter. And like every draft analyst out there at some time, at some point in time is like, 
man, I really dove into Darnell Wright today and really liked his tape. Man, I watched Darnell Wright and he I was so surprised with how good he was. And it was like over and over and over, like every single person who watched him. And it's just really funny because the more you dig into him, the more you're like, man, this kid is extremely talented and a really good football player. Mike Wall liked him. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him ahead of Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones in his most recent top 40. And Lewis Riddick, of all people, like who is very tough on these players usually, uh, you know, along the offensive line. This is what Lewis Riddick had to say. Offensive tackle Darnell Wright is going to be a Pro Bowl or All Pro his rookie season. I'm going to continue on, but just think of that. Pro Bowl slash All Pro his rookie season in consideration in my mind for best overall player in this draft when it is all said and done should be a great emphasize great, all capitals, should be a great pro. I'm going to read that one more time. Darnell Wright is going to be a pro bowl slash all pro his rookie season in consideration in my mind for best overall player in this draft when it is all said and done should be a great pro. That is from Lewis Riddick. And like I said, go out and search him and you will see over and over. And I was the same way before I looked at any of them. I'm like, man, the more I watch this kid, the more I love him. He absolutely passes the eye test and he passes the eye test for anyone that knows like about this. Mike Wall, like I said, loved him. And um, it just, I haven't seen anyone that's like, ah, I don't really like Darnell Wright. Like the more you watch him, the more you are absolutely going to like him. And the last positive I'll say here is that he checked all the boxes. And when we talk about that in regards to the draft process, it's meaning that everything that you possibly want to see from athleticism to testing to how he played. It's like he checks all of it. And with Darnell Wright, you have a four-year starter who played his in the SEC at age 18. He played his best football this past season, got the matchup with the best defensive player in college football, beat him. And then, you know, you go and you have insane testing at the combine. You're still only 21 years of age. And like, what, what more do you want? Like he has, he has the size, he has the strength, he has the athleticism. He won in ta- on tape at his best season last year. Like all of it's right there. And we can nitpick and we're going to in a moment, some of the techniques, some of the stuff he doesn't do well. But like at the end of the day, that is a very well-rounded prospect. And again, I'll say it one more time. The more you put on the tape, the more you watch him, the more you end up liking him. And the upside is absolutely striking with him. All right, let's talk about some of the negatives, which we're always going to do. We're always going to you know, nitpick some of these players and pick apart parts of their game because no no prospect's perfect. And there are some legitimate negatives with Darnell Wright's game. The first is that he needs to keep his head up. And there are times where he's dipping his head and he's not focused 100% at all times on what's in front of him. That can lead to some issues with twists and stunts. That can lead to some issues with just overall balance, which is my next one on this list, is that he's not always completely balanced. When he is on balance, you are, it's really difficult to beat him. But some of that change of direction and some of that quickness from you know faster defensive players gives him a little bit of issue and that can get him a little bit off balance. And when he's off balance, he's more susceptible to inside. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Moves, he can get, you know, kind of thrown to the side a little bit. So uh, what he needs to work on is just staying on balance because when he is, it's so hard to beat him because you're not going to beat him with strength, right? So that's something he needs to continue to work on. As mentioned, speed and change of direction will give him some issues. There were multiple times. I, it was funny because I noted this on tape and then Daniel, Jer- or, uh, excuse me, Ben Fennel tweeted about it as well. You see a lot of hands on his hips and it's, it's not something you normally see, but there were times you, a, a decent amount of times you saw hands on hips. And what that means is that he's tired. It means maybe he's a little bit out of shape. Maybe he's not in peak condition. And that's a little bit worrisome because you don't want to see that. I think it's impressive that he played as well this past year. If, if he wasn't totally in shape and if he was a little bit tired, just how well he played, you know, with that is impressive. But as he gets into an NFL, you know, regime and program, like that stuff's not going to matter. He's in great shape as evidenced at the NFL combine. I expect that to stay the same. He never had like weight issues in college or anything like that. So it's just something to sort of keep an eye on. As mentioned earlier, when his hands are good, he's going to win, but his hands are inconsistent. His placement of his hands will be all over the place. And it's just not something that you can count on down in and down out. And if you really want him to be at his highest level, he's going to have to master that. Because again, when when he gets his hands on you, it's over, right? So if you can get better at that and you can get more consistent with it, it's going to make him a much better player. Right now, hands, like I said, are all over the place. And I think that's the biggest thing. His overall technique just needs a lot of work and it's a work in progress. His footwork we talked about, his hands we talked about, staying on balance, his sets, his knee bends not great. Like all of those things are things that you can work on as an offensive line coach. But once again, he's going against the top defensive player in college, shutting him down and his technique's not even there yet. As he continues in the NFL and continues to master his technique, the hope is that he's going to be even a more well-rounded player. And then it's just look the heck out because if he's winning right now with athleticism, size, strength, and just raw natural ability with some technique mixed in, of course, but if he's winning with that, then imagine what he becomes if he all of a sudden becomes a well-rounded offensive tackle with all of the technique stuff figured out. And there's always going to be flaws. It's never going to be perfect. But if he does figure some of that stuff out, again, it's just he, he becomes a you know a, a phenomenal offensive tackle, probably multi-time Pro Bowl, or as Lewis Riddick said, all pro potential at right tackle. Um the other thing here is I would say he overall, if you take his full body of work at college, he was fine. Like, I don't think he was great in college. I think he was good at times. I think he was okay a lot of times. And this isn't the, the case totally with Darnell Wright. I've said this a little bit before, but I'll say it again, is that sometimes when you are looking at things from a GM slash scouting point of view, you can get so enamored with the upside 
that you kind of lose track of, hey, yeah, he has all this stuff, but when it's all said and done, he was just fine slash okay slash sometimes good. And what, and then you like also lose sight of other players who didn't hit a certain, you know, threshold or didn't have the right, you know, three cone or whatever, but were an insanely good football player. And that sometimes can get lost in translation as you're looking at things through a scouting point of view. With Darnell Wright, you can say, I see everything I need to see. He checks every single box. I I see the athleticism. I see the upside. I see him win at a high level. I see these high-end plays where he's throwing people to the ground. I see his footwork. I see everything. But when I put, you know, full games on or, you know, three, four games on, you know, and I grade it out, it was good. It wasn't special. It wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't insane. And that's why I said he's a little bit still of a, a projection because even with all of those boxes checked in his last year at Tennessee, it was a really good season, a really good season, but I, would, I wouldn't I would necessarily say it was great. So, and then the, the question becomes, all right, like if, if it was just a really good season in at Tennessee, what does it become when you're a Green Bay Packer and you're facing, you know, top end talent through the NFC and through the NFL week in and week out? So there is some projection there and there's no guarantee with any of these players that they're going to make that step to the next level, but there is a little bit more of a projection here with Darnell Wright. And then the last thing I'll say is that while he tested great athletically, I do think his overall athletic testing was better than what showed up on tape. And that's something you just have to sort of reconcile a little bit is like, all right, he tested amazing. Why didn't that always translate on tape? And I think it all goes back to technique. And I think when he starts playing with technique, you're going to see him start playing a lot faster and matching the athletic testing that he put on, you know, on display at the combine. When he's not thinking as much and when he's just playing naturally and has all that stuff down, I think his feet are naturally going to be quicker. He's going to be more unbalanced. I think he's going to, you know, I think his hands are going to get in place a little bit more. I think everything's just going to look quicker, faster, and he's going to pick that up a little bit more again at the NFL level. But as of right now, I would say what he did at the combine doesn't totally match what he did at the University of Tennessee. You would see flashes of what he could do, but it wasn't always consistent. And that's where, again, I think all of that technique work comes into play. As far as how he would fit in Green Bay, from a scheme standpoint, he certainly fits. They, he has the versatility, which we know Green Bay loves. I think he is a long-term starting tackle, probably on the right side. And he's a really interesting option in year one for Green Bay. And I think more importantly is that you, for Green Bay, they need a little bit more oomph along the offensive line. They need somebody with a little bit more power, strength, somebody that can move a pile, somebody that can, you know, double team someone into oblivion. Like they just need a little bit more of that power and strength up front. It's okay to, you know, want to be a little bit more, you know, finesse at times. So it's okay to want to have the agility, the ability to pull, the ability to run a zone blocking scheme. All that's great. But at some point when you get in the red zone, as we've seen, you got to have some guys that can just knock the crap out of the player across from you. And Darnell Wright, I think, would finally give them that player. And I think it could go a long way in building a more physical right side of the offensive line to maybe run behind that side in some of those goal-to-go, fourth-and-one type situations. His ceiling, I think, is a is high-end ceiling. If you really hit everything, I think you could say it's like a Jason Peters. Uh, his floor would be, I don't know, maybe like... I struggle with this floor. Like a Greg Robinson would probably be like a really low floor where like Robinson was a super athletic offensive tackle uh, who was taken in like what the top five of the draft and just kind of like busted out of the league after a while. That would probably be a, 
you know, a very low end floor, but I mean, you could argue that that would be his low end floor from a comp standpoint. I really like the Cordy Glenn comp who I think is a very underrated offensive lineman, um, you know, and, you know, gave you left tackle, right tackle, even some guard flexibility and just was really good in his NFL career. And then uh, I think another one that makes a little bit of sense, not exactly the same type of player, but Isaiah Wynn for the New England Patriots. I think that's the type of player that you are getting. Again, not apples to apples for how they play. It's not a comp in in style or like who they are physically, but I think it's a comp in the type of like really good player that can play left tackle, right tackle, guard. You can do a variety of different things and is just going to play at a high end level in the NFL. And that that to me is is kind of where you know he comes out. And whether it's a Cordy Glenn, a DJ Fluker, and Isaiah Wynn, I've seen a lot of those names. I think that's the type of player that you're getting. And those are really, really good offensive linemen for a long period of time. And I think there's upside even far and above that. And certainly Lewis Riddick feels that way as well. All pro rookie year, I guess, uh, per Lewis Riddick. Um, the other thing I will say here is that from a 2023 standpoint, there's some really interesting options that he would give Green Bay. At tackle, you've got Bakhtiari, you've got Zach Tom, you've got uh, Yash Nyman, you've got now, if, if you would draft him, you know, that's another player on the list, Darnell Wright. So you've got four different tackles. Zach Tom could kick inside, Darnell Wright could potentially kick inside. You know, you've got then if both of those guys kick inside, you've got competition for Myers. You got competition for Runyon. You can move Elton Jenkins to any of the three spots. Like it's just going to give you a lot of you know versatility and a lot of different options. Zach Tom can play five spots. Elton Jenkins can play five spots. So uh, you know Myers can play center or guard. You're really going to be able to play best five guys. And if you do have a Bakhtiari injury, you know Yash can play left, right. Uh, you know Darnell Wright can play right, and. Yeah, it's just going to give Green Bay a lot of potential options if they do ultimately go in that direction. Is there value there at pick 15? A thousand percent. I posted this on Twitter yesterday and there were some people who are like, that's way too... No, he's going to go in that range. And he's a very, very, very good player with high end upside at a premium position. Uh, he is well within the range of being picked at pick 15. I don't think it's impossible that he could go before 15, if I'm being honest. And I would be shocked if he made it past pick 20, I think is probably the the floor, in my opinion, for Wright. As far as if Green Bay would actually do it, absolutely. In fact, I would, I, I'm not so certain that he's not my leader in the clubhouse right now, because I think he's probably going to be there at 15. And if you look at what Green Bay likes to do, this is the ultimate Green Bay pick. He hits everything from an offensive stand or off, you know, testing standpoint that they love. Super high-end athlete, 21 years old, SEC school, premium position. It's all of it. It is all of it. And his tape's fantastic. A little bit of a projection. The idea that he's going to be better in the NFL than college. This is an extremely, 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 you know, Brian Gutekinds-esque process. And I think there is a very strong chance that Darnell Wright is the selection at pick 15 overall. Overall, there's a little bit of projection here. Uh, These are the offensive tackles that I think can really succeed at the NFL level extremely high-end upside, and I think he's a decade-long plus right tackle in the NFL, and there is a ton of value that goes along with that. One of my favorite players in this draft, which I guess probably means he's probably not going to be in Green Bay because that doesn't happen very often. The last one that I like really, really loved pre-draft that they uh, selected, I think was like Vonnie Holiday, like one of my top guys in the draft that I wanted at the time uh, was Vonnie Holiday. Uh, so it, it doesn't happen very often, but We'll see. Maybe he will be in play. Maybe he won't. But I think this is a very Green Bay 
you know, esque pick at pick 15. That's going to do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed the Darnell Wright breakdown. I'll be right back here tomorrow, breaking down a couple more prospects. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't already, but until next time, and as always, go Paco. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.